morning, good morning everyone, or good evening, or good afternoon, depending upon where you are on this rotating globe. Welcome to another edition of The Other Side of Midnight, that magical time between dusk and dawn, when we get into subjects that used to not be covered in the mainstream, and now they are kind of uh, 24-7, and that is not an accident. There are strange and stranger and strangest things occurring on planet Earth tonight and tomorrow night and the next night and for the foreseeable future. And as someone was saying just before airtime, and they're only going to get more interesting. Um, What was that Chinese curse? May you live in interesting times? Well, it looks like, in terms of mythologies, the Chinese are in control of the planet because we are certainly living in extraordinarily interesting times. And just how interesting is going to be the subject for the next three hours of conversation about some basic elements of nothing less than planetary transformation, uh, kind of like whether we want it or not. Before I get to my guest this morning and the topic of our conversation, let me uh, do a couple of news items at the top, which are all all kind of related. Um, If you go to the other side of midnight and you click on uh, or you look for the other side of midnight.com, that's uh, our URL, and then you click on the banner at the top of the uh, home page, which says, is Earth under deliberate climate attack? with our guest, Dane Wigington. Click on that, that will take you to the guest page. And right under there, you will see items, fast links. Click on mine. That will take you down to the section of radio with pictures where I have some news items. If you haven't been noticing, if you've been kind of tied up with, you know, your local situation with the weather, because the weather is really weird in a lot of places around the planet. Uh, There have been extraordinary floods in Germany and Belgium over the last several days. In fact, I saw one headline that said that there was the equivalent of two months' worth of rain in a couple of days. And, of course, the uh, ground and the groundwater systems and the uh, runoff and all that is not built to accommodate that extraordinary, extraordinary stress. And so there have been massive floods. There's something like 1,500 people missing in Western Germany around Cologne and in Belgium, and something like 150 confirmed deaths so far. And unfortunately, those numbers are going to change and not in a positive direction. And what was really curious is that someone sent me a link this afternoon, and there is a a study which was done uh, apparently this year, which predicted based on, uh, you know, climate warming models that exactly what's happening over Germany and Belgium was going to occur because of the speed of crossing storms. We all know here in the West, in the United States, that if you have a slow-moving hurricane, even if the winds are not very high, they will be extraordinarily damaging, not because of the wind, but because of the rain, the actual loading of the ground with enormous amounts of water from torrential rainfall. Well, that's dependent in major part on the velocity of the moving storm. 
slower-moving storms dump more rain than faster storms. And the climate models are predicting that in future, next several years, next couple of decades, climate models say that the storm velocities will be slowing, which means the amount of rain, the amount of water from any given rain event will be larger, and that appears to be what we're seeing over Germany and Belgium tonight. Now, there's more rain being predicted for the next few days, and so other regions of Europe will be suffering apparently from the same problems. Uh, that's only one aspect of what we're going to be talking with our guest tonight, Dane Wigington, in terms of how is this happening in an environment where there's not only natural cycles involved, but there is strong evidence now of tinkering, strong evidence of efforts at what we term um, geoengineering, actually modifying terrestrial climate, terrestrial weather, based on artificial technologies, which can have very unexpected and disastrous collateral damage. We'll get into all that as we get through the morning. Now, Europe is not the only place on Earth which is suffering from strange climate-borne weather. If you look at item number two, the Siberian wilderness has been plagued now for weeks by wildfires. This happens every summer. At least it's been happening every summer for as long as I can uh, remember. A couple, three years ago, there were some extraordinary events in addition to the wildfires over Siberia. There were periods, hours long, of extraordinary, um, I don't know what to call them. Maybe eclipses would be an appropriate term because the sun literally went out like it was during an eclipse and there were claims that it was due to the heavy particulates caused by the smoke from the fires. But there were other observers and witnesses who said that uh, there was some other agent involved. And uh, frankly, I don't believe that the uh, ultimate causes were ever really sorted out. It's kind of hard to find out what's going on in the former Soviet Union, certainly under the current government, and even residents in these Siberian communities were kept um, literally in the dark. Item number three, um, we have wildfires here at home. In fact, six weeks ahead of when the wildfire season is technically supposed to begin, which is when the summer is further along, there's been more desiccation, drying out of forests and you know, ground cover, uh, providing tinder, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And convective, you know, thunderstorms, which of course naturally set off these fires in many instances. Um, we're seeing enormous uh, acreage now, I think over a million acres, um, something like 1,500 square miles is now burning. And as you're going to hear later on in the morning, uh, this may in fact be part of a deliberate program, which, well, well, we'll get into those details as we move through the conversation. So without further ado, let me in fact introduce my guest because the subject of the, our discussion this morning is climate and geoengineering. Dane Wigington is the lead researcher and administrator for the website geoengineeringwatch.org. He is also the executive producer for the groundbreaking climate documentary the dimming. 
Dane has a background in solar energy, was a former employee of the Bechtel Power Corporation, and was a licensed contractor in California and Arizona. He has devoted the last 20 years to constant research on the issue of covert global climate engineering operations and has made strenuous and I would say almost 24-7 efforts to expose and to bring them to a halt. Uh, Dane's personal residence was featured as a cover article in the world's largest renewable energy magazine, Home Power. He owns a wildlife preserve next to Lake Shasta in Northern California and has appeared in numerous films and interviews in an effort to educate the public on the extremely dire environmental and health dangers that we face from the ongoing global climate intervention operations. And uh, without further ado, Dane, welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight. Thank you for your continued willingness to address what's occurring in our skies and trying to point out the gravity and immediacy of the consequences of these operations if they're allowed to continue. I guess I should start off by saying that we have a turnover of audience. One of my radio friends used to compare it to uh, frogs in a wheelbarrow, (laughs) which I don't think was too kind to his audiences. But since we have a lot of new people, I think we need to begin kind of at square one. What is geoengineering and what are some of the indications that we have in terms of readily available uh, public records and evidence that in fact geoengineering efforts are ongoing even as we speak? We have so much data, so much indisputable proof from documentation to film footage to photographs of the nozzles mounted on the pylons of the aircraft, retrofit nozzles aimed right into the exhaust jet stream. Now we have proof on the dimming. And by the way, for your listeners, just to be clear, the dimming is is not just about climate change. It's about specifically climate engineering operations. So I just want them to be clear on that. So they know this is a unique documentary, the only one of its type to address this issue. And within that documentary, to fill in one of the blanks in your questions, Richard, we acquired at great difficulty and expense a NOAA flying lab, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration flying lab, but top scientists in that aircraft tested what heavy aircraft were emitting at altitude and found exactly what we knew we would find. Climate engineering particulates starting wait, wait, with wait, aluminum. Wait, 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 wait. We're getting far ahead. Go back to defining what is geoengineering. I'll get there. I'll get there. But let me finish this thought first, if you would. So it, it, as far as there being any speculation, is this going on? Um, that's beyond the speculative point at this, at this juncture. Climate engineering is man's attempt to manipulate Earth's life support systems, not for benevolent purposes. This is malevolent from top to bottom. This is about power and control. So we have labels put on what they're doing, like solar radiation management, stratospheric aerosol injection, cloud albedo enhancement. So the stated purpose is to block... Well, wait, wait, wait. You have to to define what these terms are. I'm trying to get there. The stated purpose is to block some of the sun's incoming thermal radiation, to slow down a runaway greenhouse effect on planet Earth. That's their stated purpose. But uh, the consequences of these operations are beyond catastrophic. Any temporary cool downs they're able to achieve come at the cost of an even worse overall warming. Uh, Are you, uh, let let me think of how to ask this properly. Are you among the engineers and scientists who believe that we are 
in, in, engulfed in a natural global warming event? And are these geoengineering efforts attempting to keep the planet cool? Or are you of the opinion that the uh, global warming folks are basically not correct and that the geo-warming, instead of actually trying to solve a problem, is trying to basically end a lot of life on Earth by pretending there's a problem? I would be in neither of those categories. Okay. In regard to what's happening on our planet, and I don't like to offer my opinion, I simply like to offer what data makes clear. Mathematically, statistically, the odds of the current Earth changes being in any way, shape, or form, any naturally occurring cycle, flies in the face of every single scientific premise we know. Mathematically and statistically, and this has been done by statisticians, the odds of the current Earth changes being anything but anthropogenic, i.e. man-made, is a statistical zero. So when people try to oh, make... Yeah, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's not leap over things. We've only had modern Western science and the ability to do climate modeling for the last 75, maybe 80 years tops. How can you say statistically that what's occurring in terms of global climate modifications is not a natural cycle when our experience base is nothing compared to the history of the solar system? Zero. Uh I, I don't know about the solar system because we're not talking about that right now, but we have paleo data on planet Earth. And paleo data gives us a glimpse into the past going back a million years and more. So based on paleo data, which is more than accurate enough to make such a determination, these changes have never occurred at the speed or immensity that they're occurring right now. So again, paleo data makes this extraordinarily clear. And if we look at the argument that this is in any way, shape, or form natural, that's about like making the argument of finding a body in the street that's been beaten, stabbed, run over, shot, uh, poisoned, blown up, and then claiming it died of a heart attack. That argument doesn't hold much water. So, so you can't cut down the forest, poison the ocean, pave the planet, destroy the atmosphere, and not have a response. But these are all man-made activities that are not under the term geoengineering. They're the side effects of living in a high-tech civilization or trying to and being dependent on fossil fuels. But the question was, is this a man-made phenomenon? And it is. And, and every single form of human activity, every single form that affects the energy balance of the planet is indeed a form of geoengineering. It's an alteration of the Earth's former ah, energy balance. Okay. So you're saying, I just want to be very clear, that the extraordinarily high temperatures in southern Canada, the 116 degrees in Seattle the other day, the 134 degrees in Death Valley, which is an all-time record, only dealing with the North American continent, that all of these are a byproduct of a warming Earth, which is overwhelmingly due to man-made activities changing the reflectivity, absorptivity of sunlight coming from the sun, right? Absolutely. And as you commented earlier about the slower moving weather systems, there is also much more to that story. That is, in most cases, very directly a result of climate engineering operations. So in the case of the massive high pressure heat domes over North America, that's a direct result of ionosphere heater 
activity. We had FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, at the start of the massive heat dome that cooked Canada, blocking flights around the HARP facility because of the transmissions they were emitting at that time. There are so many red flags. And you have the whole meteorological community trying to figure out why these stationary high-pressure domes continue to occur. When we look at the science behind ionosphere heaters, if your listeners don't know what that is, many have heard of HARP. The acronym means nothing. It's not meant to mean anything. High-frequency active rural research program means nothing. <laughs> so bottom line, these facilities transmit millions of watts of power into the ionosphere, cause an electrical chain reaction that superheats the ionosphere, which causes it to expand up and down. And that downward push is descending air, high pressure heat dome, and that's how they can steer upper level wind currents, and that's how they can make a storm go as slow as they want. And I cite Hurricane Harvey as an example. How in the world did our so-called weather forecasters, which are nothing but script readers at this point, and we know that, I'm not guessing. There's a federal gag order on all National Weather Service and all NOAA employees, and all their modeling is done by Raytheon, geoengineering contractor Raytheon, but they knew somehow, magically, seven days in advance that Harvey was going to go where it went and sit there and spin for days. We recorded at geoengineeringwatch.org the transmitter energizing land-based transmitters along the Gulf Coast that energize and that are capable of moving an air mass that's saturated with these electrically conductive particles emitted by climate engineering aircraft, and thus they can repel that storm from coming on shore and hold it in place, and we recorded absolutely all of it. I, I This was the hurricane that sat over uh, the Bahamas for, what, two days, just spinning? No, no. That's Dorian, I think. This is Hurricane Harvey that sat in Texas. In front oh, because okay, I'm thinking of an earlier or rather later one. Yeah, this is Hurricane Harvey. We can look at uh, Hurricane Sandy. How in the world did these so-called weather forecasters against script readers, how do they know seven days in advance that Sandy was going to make an unprecedented 90-degree westerly turn exactly where it did? Because that's what was scheduled, and they have that much sway over the weather system. So in, in regard to upper-level wind currents, your listeners should think of the front of a car that has a fan built on it, a pulley. If pulley's going some rotating clockwise and some rotating counterclockwise. And picture that fan belt rotating around all those. Now okay, picture the okay, fan belt. Okay, okay, Dane, Dane, Dane. You're, you're, it's like drinking from a fire hose. Slow down. Take a deep breath. We've got three hours. That's why I love long-form radio. We have plenty of time. I want to go back to basics. The planet is warming. You say it's not because of nature, i.e. the sun, but because of man-made activities, uh, burning fuels, paving parking lots, building cities, creating heat islands, um, you know, vast, uh, uh, you know, agribusiness. And, and climate engineering. Well, well let's, let's leave the climate engineering aside for a minute because I want to start with the basic people living on planet Earth based on a carbon fuel foundation, coal, oil, natural gas, etc., etc. That, in, in your model, is warming the planet abnormally, correct? That is uh, many of the factors. That Hang are, on, yes. let's, let's stick with one thing at a time. I want to really sound stupid because I want to understand it myself, okay? So we start from a base that a natural planet without a high-tech civilization based on fossil fuels would be at, at um, you know, constant equilibrium with incoming sunlight, Right. There would be no global warming, right? There are long wave cyclical patterns 
but the equilibrium that the planet achieved some 10,000 years ago that allowed modern civilizations to establish was based on paleo data. The most... When you say paleo data, you have to define paleo data. In other words, we're looking at at what? Sediment samples, tree rings, carbon dating. We, We have, there's many different forms of paleo data. That's an archaeological record of the planet's history. So, um, and like ice corings in Greenland and the Antarctic? Correct. We have ice cores that go back a million years that show atmospheric carbon counts. So the equilibrium that the planet achieved 10,000 years ago appears to be the most stable climate period in its history. Now, that doesn't mean that there wasn't still changes going on based on the past cyclical patterns. Until the Industrial Revolution started, Earth was cooling again slowly, very slowly. Industrialized Revolution changed all of that, completely blew that trend apart. So again, it's the, the amount of data that we have to show the human effect on the planet is absolutely immense. And it's, it's interesting to me how many people accept that a little single-engine Cessna airplane with a few flares on the wing that does weather modification, they accept that as being real and having an effect on the climate. But the military tanker that carries 100 tons of material in a single payload, they won't acknowledge that. Or they pretend that, gee, our governments would never do this without asking our permission, which is a very naive notion. Well, wait, so, wait, wait, hang on, hang on. You, you keep doing the fire hose thing. Slow down. Most people most people listening to us are clueless as to what we're talking about. They have no database. They have no foundation. And they do have an instinctive trust, or at least they did up until the last couple of decades, that yes, government exists of the people, by the people, and for the people. So when you start attacking government as the enemy, you damn well have to have your facts in order. So let's do well, this. I have my facts in order. Hang on, I hang on. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying we need to lay it out one step at a time. So let's go back. The, the fossil record, everything from ice cores to tree rings, whatever, showed that the current warming is so anomalous by all previous records going back a million or more years that the only thing you can logically attribute it to is the sudden rise of a modern industrial civilization all over the planet based on fossil fuels, right? And everything that that entails. Well, let's not get there yet. Follow me step by step. You can't put it, you can't put, okay. Please follow me step by step. You don't follow me step by step. Then I'll end it right now. Because you should show a little courtesy to your guests. I am. I'm telling you. Don't put answers. I'm you telling don't put answers you. In my mouth, Richard. I'm not. No, I'm trying to yes, get you, you to do it me. one step at a time. Okay, but you're not showing me the courtesy of letting me answer a question. No, it's not due to just burning fossil fuels. There's a lot of other things that that entails. Well, you're getting too far ahead of else. where I'm going. Just well, you relax. Have to let me answer a Take question, a deep we'll, breath. We'll okay. So when did the establishment, we'll call it that, government, corporations, military, you know, maybe you want to use the term deep state. When did it first realize, again, from evidence, that global warming due to fossil fuel utilization was both the, the, the savior of mankind and the ultimate killer of mankind? Do we know when that realization dawned? 
No, there's no specific date, Richard. I mean, this has been an ongoing process from before fossil fuels were even burned. Human race was cutting down forests. That's why I won't. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm saying when, when do we realize this could have a deleterious effect on the planet? Well, there's a hell of a lot of people that don't realize it even today, isn't there? That's not my point. When did those in power, in control, know? How in the world would I know that? Was it a hundred years ago? Was it certainly 50? they knew that long ago? At least that long ago. Okay. Do we have actual papers? Do we have published we records? Do we have evidence of that? We certainly do. Okay. <clears throat> Item number two. What was the decision made and by whom that active artificial methods could be used to either, you know, change the trend curve, alleviate the warming due to fossil fuels, or at the very least, prolong the day by time for when other technologies would be developed which could ultimately contravene the warming due to fossil fuels. Do we know that? We've had climate engineering patents for over 100 years. We have that list posted at Geoengineering Watch. Two, about your question, there is nothing benevolent. They are not trying to do something benevolent to save humanity. How do you know? How do you know? See, you make these flat statements, and to me, science is always uncertain. You know, the biggest questions in science are not resolved because it's always you learn something more and then you change. So your certainty is part of people not listening to what you're saying. I want you to be a little humble. Tell me when do we know things, how we know things, and what the probabilities are if we don't have, you know, memos signed, which we don't. When did government start trying to intervene in changing the climate and the weather? And you say it's for a negative, you know, diabolical reason, I would say most people on the planet would vigorously disagree with you <clears throat> because that's not how they're built. And how does that affect the truth exactly? Because we're supposed because to live... Because they're not built that way. Because we're supposed to be... Because truth? you asked me a question. Because we're supposed to be living in a democratic republic where the will of the citizenry ultimately prevails. Do you believe that's true? I said we're supposed to. Okay, so in regard to, let's look at our own government. Let's look at the film of U.S. former U.S. President Lyndon Johnson, U.S. President, supposedly democratically elected president that it happened to fall into place as soon as Kennedy was assassinated. But we have him on film and on the record in 1962 that any one of your listeners can see if they look at the first 30 seconds of my weekly broadcast of Global Alert News. Lyndon Johnson raving like a lunatic, stating we had the power to control the world's cloud cover then and that, quote, he who controls the weather controls the world. Does that sound like the statement of a benevolent, democratically elected leader? It depends on the reason you're going to try to control the weather. Remember, all weapons... Who are would also, give him that right? Do you think also, any public would? Who would give any indiv, any individual or country that right? Who? Who? You, you tell me. Any population that would allow a country to do that? Well, we allowed the thermonuclear weapons to be developed, didn't we? Did, did the population say, "Yeah, go ahead, do it, and bomb bomb some innocent countries, bomb Hiroshima and Nagasaki, hundred thousand innocent people"? In each case, it had nothing to do with the war. The war was over. You you show me one one proof, shred of proof that the American public put their stamp of approval on that. I'll tell you what. Hold it there. We're at the bottom of the hour. 
My guest this morning is Dane Wigington, as you can tell. <clears throat> Dane has some very strongly held beliefs. This program is about revealing people's strongly held beliefs, as well as the evidence they have to support them. This is going to be a very interesting conversation this morning because we're going to be getting into a lot of very controversial areas, such as if we once lived in a democratic republic, at what point did that go away? At what point are decisions being made going back decades or maybe even a hundred years where a small cadre of elites have made unilateral decisions based on their knowledge or their perception of reality without the acknowledgement or the consent of the governed. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We're going to try to answer some of those questions when we return. As you continue to work on yourself, the tribe comes forward. They'll come right to your door. So just keep doing the work and it'll come together. Yep, as you increase your frequency, then you become more mature in your manifestation abilities and your other higher senses and gifts come online and then you have more power to make your world different and better and how you want it. And so that's why working on yourself is so important because then you're going to create the reality that you want rather than get sucked into the dystopia that's being created by the negative or shadow side. We're becoming uh, Renaissance men and women where we have multiple skill sets and we can dance from science into art and we can use both sides of our hemispheres and we can realize how much we have to really offer and uh, grow into. And this is what's happening now. This is where we're headed into a really beautiful place. So we can rejoice in that despite the fear, despite what it looks like on the outside. This is how disease transforms. The mess in the chaos is necessary in order to see what you have before you so you can clean it up and just make decisions to change your reality. If you don't see it, how do you know it's there to even be changed or if you ignore it, right? 
then how can you make the differences? You can't. So the mess is before us, accept our mess, and now know that that's part of empowerment to be able to see and to be able to transform it. Hi, this is Amanda Vollmer, and I was on the other side of the news, and I really enjoyed my time discussing deeper topics and really getting to the heart of truth and the things that matter in this world and what we are doing and why we're here and, and what we're heading toward. I really recommend listening in and, and learning, uh, expanding your awareness and your knowledge. It's important and these are the times to do it and we're being asked to pay attention and to challenge ourselves and uh, think beyond beyond the box. And welcome back everyone to the other side of midnight for this Saturday, July 17th, 25 years ago tonight, TWA Flight 800, <clears throat> under very mysterious circumstances, crashed into Long Island Sound. And the controversy has existed for a quarter of a century. What really happened? Was it, uh, you know, fumes igniting in the central fuel tank, which was the official story? Did the U.S. Navy accidentally shoot it down as part of an exercise being held simultaneously off the east coast of the United States? And because they couldn't admit that, was there an extraordinary cover-up? Did the FBI conduct a real investigation when they reassembled after bringing up pieces of that aircraft from the bottom of Long Island Sound and reassembling it in an aircraft hangar? Did they find evidence of an interior explosion in the fuel tank, or was it an external missile with shock waves decapitating the front of the 747 in uh, milliseconds? I mean, these are questions that were live on television as we all watched for months and months and months, the investigations, the press conferences, with a rabid press eagerly looking for every scrap, every bit of data, and we still don't know. My question, in terms of the certitude with which some statements are being made, how much do we know and how much is there this band of uncertainty where we can legitimately have differences of interpretation because the evidence is still not clear? Dane, I want to come back to something you said, which I really... You know, my, my automatic uh, revulsion is because you're making an absolutely profound statement with no evidentiary material to back it up. You say that those who are now engaged at a high level in government and industry <clears throat> to provide extraordinary geoengineering activities in an effort to uh, modify the climate and weather on the planet, you say categorically that they are, do not have a beneficent motive that in fact they have a highly diabolical negative motive. 
In other words, what you're saying is their agenda is ultimately kill off billions of people on the planet when the ecosystem collapses because of artificial warming that are a direct effect of the geoengineering efforts they are proceeding with. What I need to ask you, and I need a very honest answer, do you know this for a fact? Do we have memos? Do we have evidentiary material that their motives are diabolical or, as happens often in engineering and science, are we the the victims of unintended consequences? That for the best of intentions, the worst things can happen and in fact, in this area, are happening, and the folks who think they know everything, in fact, don't know quite enough to keep the planet from destroying itself. Go ahead. First of all, when you say I offer no proof, I wasn't given the chance to offer any proof. Next, as far as you at least... I'm talking about motivations. I'm not talking about the evidence that's going on. I, I'm talking about motivations. Can I finish my sentence? That you insinuate that I claim this is intended to kill billions of people. I never said that. Never. What I said was that these operations are being used for malevolent purposes. Do we have any historical proof of that? Absolutely. Starting with Project Popeye in Vietnam, Project Cirrus, Project Storm Fury. We have after 9-11... We have General Wesley Clark stating on the record, one week after 9-11, the list of Middle Eastern countries that were to be taken down, a list that clearly existed long before 9-11 happened. Every single one of those countries subsequently underwent a once-in-1,000-year drought. That's a statistical impossibility as being a coincidence. And we have the leaders of those countries, in the case of Iran, on the floor of the UN stating emphatically that their reign was being cut off by NATO weather modification programs. People can watch it on film and on the record. We have volumes and volumes of proof. We know that the cutting off of precipitation to the U.S. West Coast is absolutely attributable almost 100% to climate engineering because we have satellite imagery to prove it. We can see them breaking up the storm tracks. We're not guessing. We're not hypothesizing. We're not theorizing. They're cutting off the rain to the North American West Coast just as they did to Middle Eastern countries, just as they've done to African countries for decades, bringing them to their knees and then forcing those countries to allow U.S. occupation on their soil. That's the fact of the matter. We have leaders in African countries stating the same thing. They knew their rain was being cut off. They have sophisticated radar equipment. So again, we have congressional documents, 800 pages long. Now, wait a minute. You, you've just conflated two things again. Please don't do that. The United States exists as 195, one of 195 nations on the planet, give or take, right? What did I conflate? I, I'm, I'm going to get there. I, I, okay, All please right. do. After the after 9-11... We had an enemies list, you know, the uh, axis of evil, all of that. There were enemy countries on that list. Given that we live on a planet where warfare is almost stock and trade, you know, it's not peace is our profession, war is our profession. What I'm wondering is, are you equating weather engineering, geoengineering, climate engineering as something special or as another... Uh, you know, item in the toolkit for waging war against our enemies. Well, I don't, I don't, 
don't know when to send the question, Richard. I never said anything was this or that. It's not this or that. It's all of the above. Well, I, all right. Let me let me let me put to you this way: Which is better? You know, preventing rain from you know occurring in a certain part of the globe so we can move in and delegitimize the governments and take control, or bombing the hell out of them and killing a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand people. Well, to start with, it would be nice if the countries involved had anything whatsoever to do with 9-11, which we now know was not true. That's a separate so, question. I'm talking about motivations of a deep state with war as their profession, because it's power, it's money, it's control, it's all the horrible things that we all agree, certainly you and I agree, are things that human beings should not be doing to each other. But how is that different on a scale of 1 to 10 than carpet bombing, let's say, Tokyo after World, uh, during World War II. Who said it was different? Ah, okay. Kill, okay. Kill someone with a knife or you, or you starve them to death. Okay. What's the difference? Okay, I mean, okay. Is either one right? So we're basically talking about geoengineering as a weapon of war, right? Haven't I made that clear from the beginning? Uh, well, because now you've switched gears. Here's the conflation. You said that the same technologies are being deployed against the Western states of the United States of America, which means this deep state is at war with its own citizens, if it's the U.S. deep state we're talking about in control of this technology. Why the hell would we be attacking our own citizens in this insidious fashion? Well, first of all, you make it sound like I have some sort of contradiction in what I've stated. I would disagree with that. There's no contradiction. and I never insinuated that the U.S. population was not a target. They are a target. They're an increasing liability to those in power. The planet cannot support populations now. Those in power know it. And no, how, wait, 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 wait. Now, you, now you've escalated to another level. I want to try to answer the question. I want to do this step by step. So... But you, you asked me why, I was, why, Richard, but you won't let me answer a question. You won't let me finish a sentence. That is why. That is why. Because the U.S. population is a liability now. I would argue the biggest liability to the global power structure because they're largely armed. So right now, they are every bit as much a liability as the Middle Eastern countries that have resources that our government wanted and eventually took. The United States currently has a population of something like 330 million people, right? In that range. Okay. China has over a billion if we're talking about human, and they are desperately seeking to attain a middle-class lifestyle, they burn coal at such a rate that you can't see your hand in front of your face in some major cities, including Beijing. Why are the Chinese not bigger enemies to a sustainable planet than domestic U.S. citizens? Why would a deep state U.S. government, or is it transnational? Is this a transnational secret group which basically views all human beings as enemies and they're simply tackling them one by one by one? That seems a lot of conflation in your questioning as well. It's hard to, it's hard to have the time to answer all those questions. But bottom line, with climate engineering and CV-19, there is absolutely positively global cooperation in regard to climate engineering. We have, again, Senate documents, one 800 pages long that outlines this global cooperation between otherwise adversarial nations. We have it posted. We are the ones that found it on the NASA archives. So there's absolutely global cooperation in regard to resources. 
United States is 5%. I'm, I'm sure you know this, Richard. 5% of the global population, we use 25% of the world's resources. China, a lot of that pollution they make is to send us the stuff that we use and then throw away. So again, um, there's more than enough blame to go around. And the bottom line is the planet cannot support the current paradigm any longer. That's a mathematical statistical fact. When you say the current paradigm, you mean a high-tech civilization based on fossil fuels? A civilization whose philosophy is loot, pillage, plunder, and pollute until there's nothing left. And then use the weather as a weapon on top of that. Yes, that's civilization. Correct. But the energy base is a critical part of that equation, right? Obviously, you couldn't do any of the above without it. But that doesn't mean it's... It didn't start happening before hydrocarbon came onto the scene. It did. It was. There was massive defoliation before hydrocarbon even appeared. Read some of Henry David Thoreau's writings. You know, he saw it. He saw it very clearly. Okay, so you're saying that this group, and you're saying it's transnational, which I find fascinating because that would mean that all the surface, mainstream, geopolitical machinations are, are a farce. They're nonsensical. They're basically a kabuki theater. There's really a sub-level cooperation. And the enemy is not individual nations, but the enemy is humanity itself for a self-selected group that see most human beings. What was it Kissinger called us? The useless eaters in one, one document somewhere? You're putting a lot of words in my mouth. I'm saying that you have what amounts to global mafia families, and they all work together to a certain degree. Perhaps at some point they'll start to infight. That would be in our favor. But the bottom line is you cannot climate engineer over your own country without affecting the entire world. Thus, the global cooperation was necessary. We have Senate documents to prove it. I'm not offering my opinion. I'm offering proof. I'm asking people to look at that proof. It's all we've ever asked for at geoengineeringwatch.org. Okay. So this began, you say, about 100 years ago, right? Uh, what I told you was we have patents going back 100 years. We know climate engineering was deployed at scale immediately after World War II. We, have, we found on the military archives a film footage of B-17 bombers taken from an adjacent bomber, shutting off their dispersion in midair as if it was cut with a knife. That means... That was not, quote, condensation. They would have had to have been beta testing during World War II, and now that's proof that they were. We have that film. It's on our documentary, The Dimming. So clearly, these aircraft were being used for atmospheric experimentation. The film footage we have is absolutely inarguable. Well, from the reading I have done of the literature, the awareness of global uh, climate problems based on the hydrocarbon cycle uh, began in about the same time frame. So if there were tests being done, aerosol release, that kind of thing, from B-17s, B-29s, that kind of fits into that time frame, right? Um, there, there was scientific recognition of the buildup, the coming buildup of greenhouse gases on the planet going back into the 1800s. Okay, you said something a moment ago which I found very intriguing. You said that the current crisis on the West Coast, the extraordinary temperatures, the you know resistant high over the northern Pacific, which prevents rain from reaching the coast, all that, you said it was part of an attack against U.S. citizens. And I don't know whether we got to what the, what the bottom line is. 
What's the ultimate objective? Again, I never use the word attack, although that's what it amounts to. And going back to the recognition of the planetary warming, there was a, in 1896, Arthenius presented a transcript of that recognition. So it goes back to the 1800s. In regard to the West Coast, I have never, ever offered a definitive conclusion as to the agendas and the objectives being carried out, although we think we know many. What we have stated on the record, and we'll state emphatically now, the fact that climate engineering is the key factor that is cutting off the precipitation is absolutely inarguable. So we can speculate about the various agendas and objectives, but the fact that climate engineering is core to the issue is absolutely inarguable. And I challenge people to look at the satellite imagery we have. It is so far beyond shocking. You don't need to know anything about meteorology to recognize the horrific nature of what's occurring off the U.S. West Coast. So someone is preventing rain from reaching the West Coast. They've established through these technologies of HARP and I presume cloud seeding, um, the stationary high. They are able to control the jet streams, both in terms of direction and maybe even velocity. Is that true? Okay, I'll go back to the fan belt analogy that I, I was trying to complete earlier. The high pressure domes in the northern hemisphere spin clockwise. That spins moisture and upper level winds clockwise around that dome. A low pressure zone spins counterclockwise. So they can literally, and this is it, if your listeners search geoengineering is creating freeze fry extremes, they will find very intricate detail on the process the climate engineers are using to spin moisture clockwise around the west coast back down toward the gulf and east coast where a low pressure zone spins that moisture back up the east coast and with that moisture and chemical ice nucleation for weather modification that's the name of patented processes for seeding clouds with chemical ice nucleating elements they can create a cold dense layer of air that descends to the surface cool surface temperatures and by doing so they have made the eastern half of the U.S. lower 48 the most populated region in the U.S. This is part of what climate engineering is being used for, to mask the true severity of planetary meltdown from populations until the last possible moment, to fuel the division and confusion. So for nine years running, this is straight from NASA departure from normal temperature data, the, the most anomalously less warm region in the entire world for nine years running is the eastern half of the U.S. lower 48. So in an era of social media, when the temperature hit 116 in Seattle, everybody who has relatives or friends or, you know, Facebook friends on, on the East Coast knew that instantly, you know, in microseconds. When they watched streets buckling because of the high temperatures or bridges not being able to be lowered over rivers and canals. So why does it behoove the controllers, we'll call them that for a minute, to starve the west of water provide beneficent conditions on the East Coast when it's one country and everybody's talking to each other and we're talking about a massive national infrastructure project for the entire country. In other words, how can you segregate populations in the country without the game being given away anyway? First of all, those in power can demo buildings in front of the whole world and deny it. And people accept that, like Building 7 of the World Trade Center, never got hit by anything, fell in free fall speed. 
uh, a five-year-old could figure out, should be able to figure out that that building was brought down, but the American public doesn't seem to be able to figure it out. Two, I never implied that the drenching of the East Coast was in any way benevolent either. That is also wiping out crops and wiping out infrastructure. But what's key in both cases, Richard, is all of it can be blamed on nature. It's just nature behaving poorly. And the population wants to believe that because they certainly, because of epidemic Stockholm syndrome, they refuse to believe that their government is anything less than some benevolent father figure when in reality it's state-sponsored mafia. So bottom line, when you destroy food supplies, you're able to much more easily control populations. They're worried about their next bite of food. They can't focus on the wider horizon. And two, when you're able to constantly cool down the most populated portion of the U.S., it's very easy to keep the so-called debate going as to the state of the planet. We have people on the planet right now that think global cooling is occurring. And that's part of the reason how. When you have zero degrees in Dallas, Texas, that's from chemical ice nucleation. You know the event that just happened, right, Richard? You saw what happened in Texas, right? You mean when the, when the grid went out and the ice storm and 700 people or more died? Correct. So you had... At the same time that you had zero degrees in Dallas, Texas, at the same latitude in Florida, it was 85 degrees. At the same time it was zero degrees in Dallas, Texas, it was 33 degrees warmer at the North Pole. A thousand plus feet above that low surface level of cool in Dallas, Texas, the temperatures would escalate 30, perhaps 40 degrees. We're talking to pilots about exactly that. This is a cold, dense layer of air that comes from ice nucleating cloud moisture, it's the same as the open freezer you see in your market when it's 80 degrees in your market, but you have an open freezer in front of you, no top on it at all, but that cold air sits in that, that basin and keeps everything frozen. And that's how they're able to accomplish this, especially over flatter topography. Denver, Colorado is another site that's commonly used for this type of cool down. We have dimmer three times in the last three years going from record high of 80 plus degrees to single digits in 24 hours because Denver's in a basin. Okay, hang on, hang on. Well. Let's go back to Texas. That was a huge national event. It showed incredible problems with government, infrastructure, uh, politics, uh, factions, money, taxes, control, all kinds of huge holes in the system. Why, and I, I, I take it you're saying this was a deliberate geoengineering event. Why was it carried out? What's the long-term benefit for those in control to show the citizenry that everything around them does not work. It needs fixing. Someone needs to rise to the occasion and start fixing problems, ultimately political problems. I would argue with you that the election of any particular individual into any political office, including the White House, is nothing more than smoke and mirrors. But too. that's not what citizens believe. They believe their votes count. But are we debating what they believe or what happened? And what happened was, in regard to that event, it is so far in excess of the laws of meteorology, of physics, that record warm Gulf of Mexico moisture could suddenly deep freeze. And we've tested this material. Let's keep that in mind. We've tested frozen material from these ice nucleated events and found exactly what we knew we would find. 
ice nucleating elements, including surfactants. That's why this material is so slick because it's full of surfactants. That's part of the ice nucleating material. So whatever the various agendas were, we could speculate and theorize. Well, and wait, wait, wait. Let, let me stop you there because in order for you in a court of law to prove there's a crime, you have to have means, motive, and opportunity. All right? Oh, we've oh, got, we got, we have the means, we have the opportunity. What's the motive? This is what I don't get. What's the motive? Because these people also live on this planet. They have families. If the planet dies, they'll die with it. Okay, let me answer that in two parts. First, what you're implying is if you find a, a body in the street with a bullet in its head, unless you can prove a motive, there was no crime. And I would argue with that. That's simply not true. Two, how many other things have those in power done that are literally putting the entire planet in peril? We have Fukushima that by itself may be an extinction level event if other factors don't do the job first, which I would argue is going to be the case. So we have Fukushima, no known technology to fix it, no end in sight. There's 440 more new plants on the planet right now. We're building 60 more. We're building 60 more new plants right now. And Chernobyl's not done either, by the way. For those who think Chernobyl's all fixed, no, not the case. How many things have those in power done? Let's look at the detonation of nuclear bombs in Utah. I mean, excuse me, in Nevada. The detonation of nuclear bombs in Nevada is now based on peer-reviewed science study attributed to the deaths of at least a half a million Americans downstream. How many Americans know that? How many Americans know that their government, even as of 1977, I cite these facts because I know them inside out. As of 1977, our government had conducted 239 open air biological tests on innocent civilian populations without their knowledge or their consent. Climate engineering elements are incredibly toxic. No disclosure, no environmental impact review, no one was asked permission. Is that not a crime against humanity? Well, a lot of this can be attributed to absolute arrogance and ignorance. Like, remember the uh, uh, video we have, actually it's film, of soldiers back during some of the atomic tests of Atomic Annie, you know, literally dusting off each other with brooms after the detonation of the uh, tactical nuclear weapon that was lobbed by a, by a mortar shell. Um, so ignorance and stupidity is a huge factor. What I don't understand is, given that we now live in an era of computer modeling where you can really understand the details of what can happen to a much finer degree than any previous era on the planet, the, the, the controllers are still doing very dumb things that will, if we extrapolate out the curves, wind up killing most of humanity at some point on Earth. Why would they be doing that unless we're missing an important part of the puzzle? First of all, although, although there are many people in the chain that are ignorant, as you state, those at the top are certainly not ignorant. The man, the pilot in Vietnam, who was spraying Agent Orange on his comrade on the ground, he wasn't told, hey, this is going to kill your pal on the ground. So there was ignorance on his case, although he, he should have known. Those at the top know exactly what they're doing. I'll, I'll tell you they what, we're, exactly. we're, we're at the top of the hour. Let's, this is too important. Let's not truncate it, or we'll pick this up when we come back. My guest this morning is Dane Wigington. He's the head of uh, uh, geoengineering research. He's been doing this for a couple of decades, if not longer. He does have facts on his side where I'm questioning his agendas. What are motivations? Given, and maybe we're not, maybe we're not all in the same basket. 
You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.